The first time I ever attended a candlelight vigil was in college. I was part of an interfaith organization on campus, and we oversaw the funding of all the religious groups at the college, and we supported them in whatever they wanted to do. The vigil was in response to an anti-gay, anti-woman, anti-everything politician that was speaking at the college. The candles were ordered, the event posters were placed, and people were informed. And I thought it was going to be the most ridiculous thing ever. Oddly enough, I could not recall ever attending a counter-protest where we would hold candles and stand in silence. I could not recall hearing about this method of resistance. I shared my doubts with one of the organizers, a friend of mine who was also a leader in the group I was a part of. She simply told me to show up and see. I still thought it was a waste of effort. When the day finally came, I held on to my skepticism and waited until the evening. We gathered and set up the event, and we waited for people to show up. And slowly but surely, other students and people from the community trickled onto the campus and stood before the chapel where the politician was already speaking. The candles were passed out. A few brief words were said, and slowly, so very slowly, the candles were lit and passed between the participants. One by one, the glow of those tiny flames erupted in each person's hands. The vigil had started. We remained silent, and I was left with my thoughts. I still wondered why I was even there. Why was I holding some candle? It wasn't even Christmas, so what was the point of holding this? What would this accomplish? Why? 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 The time passed, and the questions in my mind remained. And I'm not quite sure how long we were there, but the answer to my need for a purpose was eventually revealed. As the chapel doors swung open and the crowd inside began to disperse, they were struck silent by the crowd before them, silent witnesses holding tiny flames. They whispered to one another, scurried by, and went on to their cars. The whole time they left, I stared at the flame in my hands and briefly looked up to the people leaving and those gathered near me. That soft, silent glow was the purpose I was looking for. Today is a day that not many Unitarian Universalists stop to remember. Today is Pentecost, a day full of fire, reds, oranges, golds, bright, shiny days, tongues of fire, the day where our Christian brothers and sisters mark the birth of the church and the coming of the Holy Spirit. It is a grand tale. It's probably one of the more extravagant stories we have from the early church. From the story itself, we are told, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like a rush of violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in each other's languages as the Spirit gave them ability. This comes to us from the book of Acts. 
Just trying to imagine this scene boggles my mind. Tongues of fire descending and resting on a gathered group. The power of language, wind, and fire. And for all of the mistakes that Christianity has made in its past, you really can't fault them for the pageantry. It's really such such a grand story. Beyond the delight I personally have in such imagery, I know this day is significant to Christians. For those of us in this room that used to be Episcopalian or Catholic, you know what a big deal it is. It could sometimes feel like a bigger deal than Easter or Christmas. It was a day when everyone wore red, streamers danced through the air as the priests processed into the sanctuary, and there was a renewed joy and hope in the mission of the church. In the Episcopal Church I attended many years ago, it was a day when certain special hymns were sung, our covenant as a congregation was renewed, and we celebrated joyfully the birthday of the church, all with the images of fire and wind to guide us on our way. It was my favorite church holiday. The whole fiery aspect of Pentecost is what intrigued me in the first place. But I realized that fire is just not important to that day and that holiday. Fire is important to most world religions. It is central and revered in some major or minor way across the globe. For Christians, it signals the coming of the Holy Spirit. For Jews, it is lit for the Shabbat and signifies a connection with their ancestors. For Hindus, it can be a symbol of worship. And one of my favorite examples of fire and world religion is that of the Zoroastrians. Zoroastrianism is a faith that is all about fire. In their fire temples, it is purified and maintained by the priests, and there are many types of fire, gathered from all sorts of events, seasons, and rituals. For Zoroastrians, the holiest of these fires, a combination of fire from many resources and many locations, takes a year to prepare and purify. I cannot even imagine such devotion. But the centrality or presence of fire in faiths all across the world lifts up for me the importance of this symbol. Each fire kindled in any faith invokes some feeling or remembrance. It gathers people, centers them, causes them to pause, and often speaks the unspeakable just by its presence. It would appear that the spirit behind Pentecost has roots in any faith where a flame is kindled. It is not just a symbol for the birth of Christianity. Every week when we gather, and really when nearly all Unitarians gather across our world, a chalice is lit. And oftentimes it can be the simplest and most casual of rituals. Someone will get up and say, well, we're going to light this thing now, and that's it, and be done with it. Or it can be similar to what is done here week after week, words of gathering and the voice of the people blended together. Fire is important to you use as well. It is not just a cup. It is not just a chalice that is our symbol, but it is the flaming chalice. The imagery in that name lends itself to extravagance and pageantry. But still, it often stands silently, softly glowing and fragile, one flick flickering flame every Sunday. The 
power of wind and the spark of fire. It would appear that we have our small Pentecosts every time we gather for worship. And this is where I think this day, this day of Pentecost, still holds its power. Now I'm biased, of course. Beyond any other day from the traditions of my past, I miss Pentecost the most. The imagery, the promise, the renewing of one's commitment to mission and vision, the celebration of fire, all of these things still feel near and dear to me. But that is where that power is. The original story of Pentecost was less about violent winds and dancing tongues of fire and more about a commitment to Jesus' message. The Zoroastrians with their fire that takes a year to prepare is less about perfection and more about the commitment to upholding their sacred tradition and standing silent at a candlelight vigil was about the commitment of showing up and being present in the face of adversity and oppression. This day of celebration with all of the potential pageantry, all of the fire, all of the wind and breath comes down to something as simple as commitment. Commitment to ourselves and our life's calling and commitment to those things beyond the self. Community. Covenant. Perish. So ask yourselves, what are the commitments in your life that are in need of renewal? What is the fire burning in your heart calling you toward? Is it a roaring bonfire or is it a fragile flame that is holding vigil? These questions may sound familiar. They are similar to many of the questions I ask every time I am in the pulpit, no matter the message. If it is one thing that I have stressed over and over again, and they do joke and they say ministers have one sermon, they repeat over and over again. But if it is one thing I've stressed over and over again this year as your intern, it is that you are being called in each and every moment towards something new. It might be small, it might be huge, but you are being called by the desires of your heart and mind, and it is up to you right now and every second that follows to answer. This is the same call that brought those apostles together on Pentecost, and it is the same call that inspires people of any religion or no religion to change their lives in the world. It is a call that is made up of every it is a call that is present in every time we light our chalice together. This is a flame that invites us every week to enter, breathe, reflect, hear, and answer. There are no swirling tongues of fire for us and no glorious bonfires, but still it beckons. Still the possibility of renewal is available to each and every one of you in every moment. This message is just so very Unitarian Universalist for me. The Unitarian part of our heritage tells us that we all have opportunities, either alone or oftentimes with help, to change ourselves and to change the world. The Universalist part tells us that those opportunities never run out. There's always another moment to begin again. There's always a moment to make things more just. There's always a moment to reach out to those in need. So beyond that message, what on earth can we take away still from the story of Pentecost, the story of fire, the story of commitment? 
Why share this with First Parish in 2015? Well, first of all, today is the last time that I will stand before all of you as your intern and preach. And it's okay if some of you are relieved by that. (laughs) There is a bittersweetness to this moment, but my time isn't over with you just yet. But why still share this message? For me, this has been a busy year, full of preparation to be a minister and to find a congregation of my own, full of unexpected challenges, full of joy and sorrow. But instead of outlining every single thing I have learned with you this year, all of the struggles, all of the triumphs, all of the ways I've learned to love and grow with this congregation. Today, all of you, those of you present here and even those that are not present who are at Ferry Beach and even for all of you here from Poughkeepsie, I am going to charge you as your intern. I am leaving you all with a few things that I want this parish to never lose sight of. First, remember who you are. And these are going to sound very broad and simple. I'm not saying to enshrine your history even more and rest on the laurels of Emerson and Thoreau. Instead, I'm reminding you that you are all entering into a legacy just by being in this room that changed the face of Unitarianism and now Unitarian Universalism. The courage of Reverend Ezra Ripley, one of the past ministers, to bring Unitarianism to Concord, the gifts of the transcendentalists to our movement, the dedication of its parishioners then and now. All these things and more have shaped our faith. And you, all of you, can continue to shape our faith as well. And so remember this and ask ask yourselves, what is the next chapter of First Parish And what will it contribute to our movement? What fires of hope can still be kindled? Second, continue to grow in love. That's a broad statement and really one that you, you ministers, say a lot to people. But we mean it. We truly mean it every time we say it. And I especially mean it for this place in this moment. This congregation has been here for 379 years. It's something that many churches in our country cannot claim. It is a big deal. But with that legacy, it doesn't mean that our conflicts, your conflicts, need to last 379 years. This congregation has survived turmoils that go beyond any individual and any dispute. This congregation has endured, not in spite, as some people have suggested to me, but in forgiveness and hope. And so, continue to be forgiving. Continue to love one another as best as you can. Because that leads me to my final charge for all of you. Tend to that fragile flame that is First Parish and Unitarian Universalism. Tend to that flame and stand vigil with it. Hold your ground. Religion in our country is rapidly changing, and I'm not just saying this as a means of job security, but I truly believe, even with those changes, our faith still has more to give the world. We still have a message that extinguishes hate. We still have a message that walks with the oppressed and heals the broken. And conquered is a part of that message and mission. It is a part of that sending forth that Unitarian Universalists are called to do in every moment of their lives. It is a part 
of that fragile flame that gathers people and unites them in a common purpose every single Sunday. And so, dear friends, remember who you are. Grow in love and tend the flame. These things I wish and hope for for this community, not just as your intern, but as a minister of this faith and a member of this faith. So for all of you, may the fires of Pentecost burn in each and every one of your hearts. May they call you to change, call you to hope, and call you to recommit every time we gather. May this be our hope today and in all days. Blessed be. Blessed be.